Hi, welcome to this week's edition of Time to Talk. I'm your host, Sean Sennett, and this week is very exciting. We've got Mike Nesmith on the show. Uh, Mike, uh, I'm sure everybody knows Mike from his time in the Monkees as the tall, laconic Texan in the beanie uh, with that beautiful uh, 12-string Gretsch guitar he had. And, of course, Mike uh, is a pioneer of uh, video making. He was in the First National Band, one of the sort of instigators of American country rock. Fascinating guy. And we were lucky enough to get about half an hour with Mike uh, as he was on the Mickey and Mike tour with Mickey Dolenz, uh, the Monkees present Tour of Australia. And uh, he's talking about Christian science. He's talking about been at the bit recording session for a day in the life and some fascinating morsels in here so sit back and enjoy our chat with mike nesmith sean how's the weather in brisbane oh the weather's beautiful sunshine today mr nesmith it's fantastic uh, much better than the uh, trade rate between the dollar and the aussie dollar right <clears throat> well i think that's right the whole economy's uh, collapsing in a heap so i'll have to get your advice on that later <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not allowed to say the word Trump out loud, so we'll have to move, move very carefully. There's a beautiful quote I heard you say recently where you described music was like attaching yourself to a distant star, and it's carried you on this wonderful journey through your life. Is that how you see music? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is true. I mean, I mean, it's making me laugh because I have no memory of saying that, but then that, you know, I live my life like that. So, yeah. That sounds good to me. I, I'll, I, I know it uh, intimately, and I'll stipulate to it. You know, there's so many great little lines I've <clears throat> read from your book and so forth, and I wanted to throw ah. a couple at you. Oh, um, thank you. Y- y- you mentioned that uh, <clears throat> the eternal present, and we're constantly updating that. H- how, do you, um, how do you describe the eternal present? Well, not to be... Uh, glib or, you know, too, too offhand with it, but uh, I, I describe it as always now. Yeah. And um, that's a, you know, that's kind of a standard New Age guru riff, hmm. uh, but the depth of the words and the thought value of the words uh, mean a lot to me, hmm. and I find th- that, and this also sounds just awful poncy when I say it, if I can pull that off always being in the present, uh, then what I've done is managed to snuggle up to this distant star mm. and go the same speed in the same direction. And, and it's, um, it's inspiring. Uh, I watched it happen to my mother. I watched it happen to my friends. I watched it happen to the other monkeys. I watched it happen to anybody around me who does it. Um, in, in my case, uh, where uh, you know, I, I hang out with the... Uh, what's left of the counterculture revolution mm. up in the, uh, Northern California. And so everybody sort of understands what that means from a new age uh, perspective. Yeah. And when you find somebody who is like that, they're of like mind. I do. Yeah. If, if, if you find somebody, they're of like mind, and so you have things to talk about. If you find somebody who's not like that, they're very likely saying, do you need another napkin? And yeah. then the conversation stops. You've also said, too, that you know, the past doesn't create the present for you. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know how to say anything, say it better than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting uh, with this tour you're doing with um, Mickey and Mike, the Mickey and Mike show, you guys have always had a wonderful blend with your voices. Uh, I listen to something like the Good Times record and something like uh, me, and, me and Magdalena, the way your yeah. voices just blend together is a beautiful thing. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, Mickey and I have always been simpatico. Uh, we, we just came from an interview where he 
took the opportunity to talk about the the brotherhood of the spirit not in those words but he was just talking about why he and i are so close and why the other uh, monkeys were close mm. it's because we you know live under the same umbrella of the same spirit at the same time and uh, it just creates a, a a remarkable harmonious space that we work in it must be uh a wonderful thing for you to be on stage performing these songs, which you know, it, it, most of them are 50 years old, but they still yeah. resonate and make you feel something right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just the nature of songs and nature of music, I think. It, they're permanent and they're persistent. And uh, if you find something you like, I know everybody's experienced that moment where you find some magical song with some magical lyric and you just play it over and over and over again you play it in the car you play it in the living room you play it in the backyard wherever you get a chance to play it and the reason is because uh, those words have uh, a huge amount of spiritual power so every time you utter them you tend to bring those uh, uh, spiritual values and that power into one's own life at least that's the way it's been for me and so when I found that out, I thought, well, I'll just stay here. This is, this is the only spot on the planet where you're safe from intergalactic collisions. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting with your work. You've been such a pioneer. Like, uh, I know you're even a fan of Vaporwave. <laughs> Excuse me for laughing. No, no. It, 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 <clears throat> I, I don't say it ironically because I remember listening to it and thinking, oh, this is so much junk. Yeah. I just can't listen to it. And the longer I sat there and listened to it, and the more I absorbed it, the more I realized, hang on a second, this stuff is runs very deep. Yeah. Listen, and you'll see what's happening. It's creating its own space, and that's a hard thing for me to find is is works of art and and points of view that create their own space. So, yes, no, I'm a very big fan of vaporwave, and I listen to it in the car all the time, and. Uh, I know that there's a certain irony associated with it, but I don't take that irony as ironic. I, I, mm-hmm. I take it as profound. It's interesting about creating your own space and doing something unique. I mean, you really are one of the, the godfathers of country rock. I mean, something like, what am I doing hanging around? Were you aware at the time that you were fusing things together and creating new genres? I don't think so, Sean. I th- I, as I look back on it, and then that's not the first time I've been asked that question, but in a different form. Hmm. Uh, there, there's something about uh, an original idea or something that's coming to life around you. Mothers know it really well because it happens with their children. Hmm. They watch you know, the child come from their womb into a little puddle of uh, mortality in the crib, and suddenly it starts to grow up into a human being. Yeah. And it's uh, it's inspiring. It's inspiring to watch. Well, songs and and literature and friends and close friends all share that same uh, quality. And and if I think if one starts to listen for it, I start to sound really uh, kind of. <laughs> it sounds like so much uh, uh, dogma, but it, it it really is so that if you if you focus on that event and you watch it start to happen around you you'll also notice it in your own life. And what I've learned, you know, I'm an old man now, but the changes that have been visited on me are, are first of all, welcome, Mm. and second of all, they're uh, uh, deep, and they get me out of a jam. So, uh, you know, I I bring it in to the degree that I can. I don't know that you and I can do this in a way that 
we just do it when we want to. I'm not sure that it's a product of, you know, well, I desire it to be this way, and yeah. thus it shall be. I don't think we can pull that off yeah. on this plane of existence, but I think we can we can look forward to it being given to us and uh, just stand there at a point of receptivity and wait to be conformed to a fitness to receive, mm-hmm. and it it comes in the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, at 1968, the monkeys first came to Australia, and uh, yeah, yeah. you spoke about there's a moment in Hawaii when the band are playing live for the first time where it really becomes the monkeys. So it's the audience involving with you, right? I guess it is. I mean, uh, Peter noticed it. He, he said... Uh, when he came off, he said, I, I felt like there was somebody else on stage with us during that show. And I said, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you know what I think it is? I think it's the monkey. I think it's the monkeys. It's who we are as a group. And he gave me that as a truth, and I took it as a truth. It still happens when it's just Mick and I, so maybe there's more to it than I, I know. But um, whatever there is to it, it lifts you up. I mean, it's, uh, it is... Uh, What's the name of uh, Bette Midler's song? Oh, The Wind Beneath oh, yeah. My Wings. Yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting. Uh, George Harrison once said that being in the Beatles was like wearing a particular shirt. Then he took the shirt off. Do you feel like you're putting the shirt back on when you play with uh, Mickey? No, I, I feel in some way I discovered the depth of what uh, creativity does to us. You know, it's, it's a, there's, a, there's a moment... Let me let me tackle it from a mundane point of view. There's a moment when you and I can hang a picture in the house, and suddenly the house uh, I'm, I'm I'm hesitating saying it this way, but a house becomes a home. Mm. A house becomes something more than it is, and that's that's that doesn't ever change. That's not a that's not a change of shirts for me. That's a uh, discovery of the what it actually is. In the, in the real world. Yeah. You know, I put it out on Facebook that I was going to be talking to you today, and I asked if anybody, oh, nice, had, a, yeah. anybody had a good question. And one guy came back and said to me that he had heard that one of you had been given an acetate of Sergeant Pepper uh, from one of the Beatles. Who has it, and is it true? It is true, and <clears throat> it was given to me by John. <laughs> you're going you're to hate, hate this part of the story. No. And I lost. I oh. <laughs> see. I told you. Yeah. And 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 I, you know, it was it was it. It's been an awful story to have to repeat over the years. Um, although I have to say that having listened to it, it was never as good as the LP. So yeah, right. You know, it was just it was just the fact that it had his fingerprints on it. Yeah. And his imprimatur, and so I, you know, I felt terrible when it disappeared. I have a feeling it might have been stolen. You know, there may have been. Uh, Something at work, you know. Yeah, well, well, it, it's funny because, of course, you crop up in the Day in the Life uh, video. You were there when they were making that recording. Yes, indeed I was. Can you even comprehend now what that was like for the young you to be there? Well, this is the third time in that many days that I've been asked that question. And it's so hard to answer because it was... So it being the recording and the people and the gathering and so forth... Of course, in my life, there was nothing musically as powerful as the Beatles. And so I just, I was swept away with it. And when I was at the sessions, it was the rock uh, cognoscenti. It was the rock uh, uh, royalty. 
they were all there the most beautiful men and women that I'd ever seen with the most spectacular sets of talent mm -hmm. uh, uh, George Martin was conducting the orchestra with along with Paul and and uh, you know but what I re what I realized later on is that's not a moment you can capture you being generic here mm -hmm. that, that one can capture it was just uh, it was jaw-droppingly moving and something uh, my wife at the time Phyllis was there with me and and uh, I remember Marianne Faithful walked by in front of me and I thought that is the most beautiful woman I've ever laid eyes on and epitomizes the rock and roll of uh, my time and she was she was just stunningly beautiful uh, in, in, a, in a generic way and she was stunningly beautiful as you know you could see the heart in her and why I guess why I guess Mick fell in love with her I don't know because yeah. I was never I never said two words to her except so hello nice to meet you yeah but <clears throat> there was something that went on with that with every one of the guys the Beatles and and, and all of us who were there, Mick and I were there. Was Mick there? I don't know whether Mick was there or not. But anyway, uh, it was uh, it, it was memorable in a way that um, surpasses all definitions of memory. I mean, it, it lives like, you know, a, a, a part of my biometric. And I just, I'll never forget it. And I, I, I draw from it from time to time. Yeah. And I guess if I had to say what was the earmark of it, it was the naturalness of the creativity. It was so creative. It was so inspiring and inspired. And there was something went on with it that to this day I can't put into words. I've tried. I've written books and so mm. forth. And, and I had these passages in the book to talk about it. But I don't think I can ever fully describe what happened there. It was, uh, you know, I just I fell into it, you know, like falling into a tub of butter. And it was just... You know the most amazing moment, but I don't want to overstate it because mm. there was a certain naturalness to it, certain normalcy to it that has nourished me all these years. Uh, I have to say I miss I miss John, and I miss all the Beatles that have gone, mm. and I, you know, all of those things mean a lot. But that moment, that was a party. Uh, it was a party that made an impression on me that uh, has not gone away, and I don't think it ever will go away. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful to John. I'm grateful for everybody who allowed me in on that thing. It was, uh, I wish I could have brought everybody with me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have recorded, uh, you know, a couple of the greatest records I think that have ever been made or been involved oh, in them. Oh, thank you. I mean, something like Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and J Jones. You, you're writing yeah. on that. And I wanted to ask you about a couple of songs, if you wouldn't mind maybe chatting about yeah, them. far uh, away, far away. Something like Love is Only Sleeping. Uh What's your recollection of that, or, or daily, nightly, when you're in that zone for writing? Well, daily, nightly uh, was inspired by my times walking along the Sunset Strip around the intersection of Laurel Canyon and um, and uh, and Sunset, and there was there was a club there. Let me see if I can find out the name. What was the name of the club? Box. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Sandoval, who's managing this tour, knows all of those answers. And he just said it's Pandora's Box. Ah, okay. Uh, Pandora's Box had something, you know, that was, it was aptly named. And uh, there was something that... Uh, uh, there was something in the water at that time. I don't know whether it was LSD or whether it was just, you know, the magic of uh, new, new ideas. But it was, 
it was all working there and it, it, it uh, and I realized um, this is raising ideas that have no uh, you can't point to the origins of them you have to point to the presence of them mm. uh, the origins don't don't really count because at that at that moment you're beyond time and space now don't kill me for saying that but it, it really is sort of like that and it, you know those are the ideas that have come forward for me now uh, yeah. I took a little bit of acid during the 60s but then I quit for you know like 40 years yeah and, and just the other day you know I had my, my first uh, nice bowl of uh, vape in you know 30 years uh, it was a uh, simple cannabis but it reminded me you know as I came up on that plateau I said oh this is a little bit like where we all were during that time wow. now I'm not advocating it and I'm not yeah. sure that if you if you smoke dope you can get there yeah all I can say is that that was in the air and so daily night it was kind of about that you know it was like you're gonna you're gonna find yourself out on a limb some some of some estuary of some great ocean that you can't see but you'll be in the middle of it and that's what I think you're referring to and yeah and certainly it made a big it had a big influence on me and at the other end of the spectrum I guess are songs like uh, say different drum and then uh, uh, listen to the band was different drum like a big bang for you when you wrote that did you know you had something special well, no. Um, <clears throat> I had made friends with a guy named John. Uh, who was the guy in Different Drum, the uh, bluegrass band? John Harold. Right. John Harold had come out for a visit, and we were talking about how he was routinely uh, mistaken for Dylan and so forth. And, and he was talking about the times, and he was saying, this is really good. Are you writing for this time? I said, yeah, I've got a television show that I'm writing for. And he said, well, you... Well, play me something. Show, okay. So I played him the girl I knew somewhere. Yeah. And he just looked at me blankly after it was after I finished playing it for him, and he said, "So that's for the show?" And I said, "Yeah. You know, I I expect Mick will sing it and so on and so forth. How do you like it?" And he said, "Well, not very much. I mean, it sounds like a pop song." And I said, "Oh, from your lips to God's ears, that's what I was trying to write." <laughs> and he, he said, "But there be, there's better music to write. Do you have anything else?" And I said, "Not really. I have this song." You and I travel to the baby. He said, now that's a song. Yeah. And he understood, before anybody else did, he understood of the moment of breakup where he says to her, this ain't going to work out, kiddo, and leaves. Uh, that is a moment uh, that is seldom expressed because it's a heartbreaker. Mm. And it's a moment that is very real. And that's what... I learned from him, uh, and the other songs all sort of started to fall in line once he opened that door for me. But it it uh, it took him to do it. He's no longer with us, but I mean, yeah. where anybody can see. But but uh, he he really said this is the way into that. Something like listen to the band really does feel like a perfect song in musicianship culminating together. It's so beautifully played out in the final recording oh, version, you. I think. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know how to describe Listen to the Band. Listen to the Band came from a completely altered state of mind time when I was in Nashville playing with the Nashville Cats who had just come from becoming the Muscle Shoals Band and were doing yeah. all those great records with Aretha and, well, you know the drill. Yeah. You can go read... Uh, What's-his-name's book? <clears throat> and 
when I realized, you know, I can't do this by actively doing it. I can only do it by letting it happen to me, which sounds sounds very glib. Hmm. But it's not, it, if you let that happen to you, if one lets, you know, life happen to you, oh, I can't do this, it's way too punsy. <laughs> hmm. I'm not going to, I won't say any more than that other than no, to I, move. I, I thought what you, you said makes perfect sense. Well, it's it's moving it's moving my mind from cause to effect. That's mm. really what it is. And you realize, I live at the standpoint of effect, and I will always live there. So, it introduces permanence, uh, pers- per- uh, perspective, uh, persistence. It introduces all the great P, P yeah, letters and yeah. P words. Do, do, do you have any recollection at all of um, recording Pleasant Valley Sunday and playing that amazing guitar riff through those well, box amplifiers? <clears throat> yeah, I, I remember it pretty well. It, uh, Chip sat down and he said, you know, I noticed these great pop records, they all have a lick. And uh, if, if we can put a lick on the P- Pleasant Valley Sunday, it'll go somewhere. And, and uh, he said, let's get in some big amplifiers and you can play it. If you can play it, then it'll make it a special record. So, that's that's how the, I, I basically had nothing creatively to do with that uh, way that record came together, except to just be present and watch as uh, Chip and some uh, some of the other guys, uh, I mean other players, uh, made that song, craft that song, and uh, and you know it had the songwriting of Jerry and Carol, Jerry mm. and Carol, mm. and uh, it, it made it very easy to play. I never could play it worth a crap on stage, <laughs> and I had to—I always had to start it. So Mickey would start up, and then everybody else would start up, and it was like, "Okay, Nez, here you go." And it's like one, two. Okay, wait, one, two, three, two. Okay, wait, 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 one, two, three, four. And I always botched it every time we played it. So I just said, "Well, take it for what it is, partner, because that's the way it's going to come out." Well, it's one of the great riffs of all time. I love it. Uh, yeah, I love it. What would you play there? And look, commiserations with Peter Talk passing away, obviously. Um, that would have been Thank a big you. blow to the Monkees family. It was. I just said to somebody at another radio station, uh, uh, television station, uh, that uh, I, I never particularly got on with Peter nor mm. he with me. We weren't close like uh, brothers. But when, uh, you know, uh, my assistant, Melody, put the phone down, she said, Peter died. I just... Uh, uh, broke into tears yeah. I mean, it was just completely unexpected so thank you for the uh, good wishes how's your health now because I understand you had a heart um, process you know, procedure <laughs> you, you know shot I don't have a clue right. I feel great right. but I don't want anybody looking around so I just I keep you know I stay away from mud puddles <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's next I mean nobody expected good times to be that great I mean, for me, it was like if the Beatles got back together and put out Rubble Soul, it was that good. Oh. Um, do, do you, can you see you and Mickey doing anything else in the future creatively? Well, here, there's a couple of things I, I think I'd like to say about, you know, working with Mick. I love him very much. And we, we do good work together. We're not great musicians. I, I would say this to his face, but, but I'm certainly not a very good musician. But when he and I get in the room together and we work together, Something opens up between us, and there's a you know there's another monkey's album in the in the works right now. Wow! And um, <clears throat> we're trying to make it happen, as are the management and the record companies and so forth. And I think it's going to be fantastic. There's some great songs. I haven't written any of them. Uh, Mickey still writes. Uh, I don't exactly know how it's all going to come out, but I think it's it's uh, it's destined for something uh, 
greater than you know it it it, it first appears. You know, when you were in the Air Force, I know you wrote a lot of poetry. Do you still go back to writing uh, words without music? Is that still a thing for you? Yeah. Yeah, that's, how, that's the origin of all music that I write. It starts off as a poem. Wow. Well, you've written some, uh, some great lyrics over the years. And, uh, yeah. you know, and, and also, too, you've been such a pioneer with things like video and so forth. Um, uh, I always remember seeing Rio for the first time as a kid. We'd never seen anything like that before. No, well, frankly, neither had I. <laughs> we all stood around, and and the, the the director went back home and showed it to all his friends. I showed it to all my friends. I showed it to the monkeys. I showed it to all of us. I said, "This is, I think, this is the future." I didn't know at the time that it would be. Uh, for instance, I did not know at the time that it would be the number one record in Australia. Mm. But I knew that there was some sort of magic there. And so I was glad to do it. I'd, I'd give anything if I knew where you could buy this at a at a stand. You know, I'll have two of the number one hit records and one of the number ten records. There's no nothing like that exists anywhere that I know about. Yeah, but well, it's a uh, it, it was it was a I don't want to call it lucky, but it was charmed. It is charmed. I love that song. Oh, it's beautiful. It's one of my mother's favorite songs. So I've got to thank you for that. Ah, well, I'll tell her she's welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, did you ever get your Gretsch back? No, I haven't, sadly to say. I've seen uh, flickers of it, you know, like sunlight on a, on a, a lake that's rippled by a calm wind, and mm. you see these little things, and you go, wait, wait, what's that, what's that? And you realize it's not the guitar, Naz, it's a, it's a big-mouth bass. <laughs> but <clears throat> if anybody out there has it, I'd sure love to know about it. I would probably buy it back from them. It has full. It's full of markings that are original to me and numbers and so forth. So it's easy yeah. to identify. But I think it's gone into the to its role and its place in history and as a television icon and so forth. I still play it uh, on the stage, yeah. and uh, it, it 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 was never a very good guitar. Yeah. But it certainly does sound like that guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you have to go, but just before you do, how do you guys go about choosing the set list? Uh, I understand you've got things from the margins as well as the hits. Yeah, well, <clears throat> it's it's difficult to say. Remember that that the monkeys were the were the visible node of hundreds of people's work, mm. uh, brilliant creative minds and some not so brilliant and not so creative minds, um, and those are all. Uh, scribed in the annals of history, and but it was not the four of us like it was the Beatles and George and, and, and Martin. It was just really a hundred and fifty people doing the best job they could, and there was a point where the music and the pop culture and everybody who was involved in it just took us all over, and. Uh, you know, there would be some songs that would come in, and Mickey would say, God, this is great. And I would say, are you out of your mind, Mick? That sounds horrible. And then we would do it, and he would sing in it, and it would be magic. And uh, so I learned to just keep my mouth shut and uh, and listen to the way these great, uh, well, I don't want to call them great because I don't know that they were, but 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 definitely talented songwriters and people who had a, a message, something that they wanted to say in it. It created this bed, this underpinning for the whole enterprise. And it was an enterprise. I mean, it was a television show. Yeah. And, and for the whole enterprise, it made this bed that made it so much more valid and so much more easy to live with 
than if it had been just uh, you know mo a mockumentary or if it had yeah. been something that came along later. It, you know, shorthand. I loved it. It was really riding the whirlwind. Yeah. And it was. I was so fortunate to be included in it and to get to work with those guys. And uh, you know, Mick and I are still working together. I'm, I look forward to get on the stage with him. So I don't know how long it'll go. You know, we're two old men now. And it's a yeah. little strange. <laughs> yeah. It's a little strange to get up there and sing kids uh, songs that we were singing when we were kids. But it's nonetheless joyous. You know, it's a little bit joyous, like an old man doing a dance. But there it is. Well, it must be a joy when something like Mary Mary which you wrote before the monkeys still has a life yeah yeah it really is and and every once in a while somebody would come up and, and give me a thumbs up uh, or props on Mary Mary and I remember writing it it started off as a poem and I thought boy this is a stupid poem it's really simple and so forth and and the, the angel said, keep your mouth shut, Ness, I'm writing this. So I did, and it's come into this song. And now when we play it, you know, it was one of the few songs that Mick played outstandingly well. And yeah. uh, uh, it was uh, it, it, it the song, uh, did, you, did you ever hear the Run DMC version? Yeah, of it? I was actually going to mention the, the, the impact that song had on hip-hop, too, was quite strong. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and when that happens, you know, that's indescribable yeah. in terms of its uh, gratuity. I don't mean it's gratuitous, but I mean just in the way you feel about it, and the way I felt about it. So well, it's a whole other realm. It's been a yeah, it's been now, a great thing. Was just one last thing before you go. Um, was that Glenn yes. Campbell on lead guitar on that track? On uh, Mary Mary. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Glenn played the da 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 da. Yeah. Uh, I, I taught that to him. I mean, it's not a hard lick to play. He just didn't know what it was. Yeah. I I taught him that. I'd known Glenn long before the monkeys, and I'd used him in sessions and so on and so forth. And he couldn't he couldn't quite understand how to how to do it. But once we sat down and sussed it out, yeah. you know, it became what you what you now hear. Brilliant. I can't remember who played drums on it, but like I say, when Mickey when Mickey plays it lives, it's it really pops to life, and the crowd goes nuts <laughs> and i love to play it you know it's a fun song oh it's a great song well, th thank you so much for taking the time to chat today i really appreciate it it's my pleasure sean and and uh, to you thanks very much we got this sh these shows coming up uh, any monkey fans out there you got to come to these shows because probably the last one's around and it's uh, it's a it's a hoot it's a great time we have a good time and we pass that on to the audience so i oh. hope to see you there and and all of your loved ones Thanks so much for tuning in this week. That was Mike Nesmith. Um, fascinating guy. I could have uh, spoken to Mike all day, I think. Uh, just that stuff about the Beatles and what happened to that copy of Sgt. Pepper is just um, one of the great rock and roll mysteries. But uh, thanks for joining us this week on Time to Talk, and we look forward to your company next time. See you then. <laughs>